Who do you work for, really? Each one of us has a calling. Have you heard this before? Your workplace is your mission field, wherever that may be. You either work for him or work against him, but you work for someone. Who do you really work for? Is it your clients, your boss, your family, yourself, or your Lord? This isn't a trick question. There is a right answer. You're either all in or all out. Are you for him? I am. In fact, I work for him. Hey, Jim, who do you work for? I work for him. I work for Jesus Christ. I want to be your hand. Let me introduce you to the host of the I Work For Him show, Jim Brangenberg. Welcome, welcome, welcome. You've tuned into the I Work For Him radio show with your host, Jim Brangenberg. Take a minute and listen. I Work For Him, is, it's not a program that you sign up for. It's a mentality. It's a way of living. It's a permanent shift in your Christ-following paradigm. It's a revolution that's happening in the workplace, and it's about bringing the kingdom of God into places where the kingdom is ignored. Keep in mind that your existence in your workplace, it's not by chance. It doesn't matter what you do or where you do it. Whether you're a pastor, a car mechanic, an attorney, a teacher, a mom, a used car salesperson, your work, it matters to God. And he expects you to be his representative in your workplace. And in your workplace, to recognize that that's your mission field. And in that mission field, you may be the only Jesus your coworkers and employees may ever meet. Now, I know you've heard me say this tons and tons of times, but every day we need to be reminded that going to work is not just to draw paychecks so we can buy groceries. Going to work every day is an opportunity to be a light for Christ. Each day on the I Work For Him show, we try to bring you the practical, the tactical, the factual, and the biblical ways to incorporate your faith into your workplace. I don't come to you as an expert. I don't come to you as somebody that's got this all figured out. I'm just one guy trying to live my life transparently so that you can maybe gain something in order to be an effective witness for Christ in your workplace. Our paradigm shift is described like this. Romans 12.2, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Welcome to the I Work For Him Zone. I hope you're never the same. Today, we're really hammering on uh, on parenting. It's one of those things where there's nothing that humbles an adult more than parenting. <laughs> That's a good way to say it. I don't it know is. that we're hammering on it, but we're, well, we are, we're really going to focus on All it. <laughs> the mistakes that we made on our three children, we're going to talk about today. Hey, but just a verse of encouragement. Well, maybe it's a verse of encouragement. Hey, Proverbs 22, 6 says, listen, train up a child in the way he should go or she should go. And even when he is old, he will not depart from it. It doesn't say, but in between he might. Ephesians 6, 4, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. Moment of confession. We used to quote that to my dad. <laughs> I remember that. It was like, I was so proud of myself when we memorized that. But my dad was never one to provoke us to anger. But he might tickle us to death if or I something. If I had said that to my father, I'd have gotten the rod right upside the head. All right. And Proverbs twenty nine fifteen says, The rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child left to himself brings shame to his mother. And, and that's really why we're having this conversation today. We live in a society today that says, hey, don't discipline your kids. Give your kids everything that you that they want. Mm-hmm. Um, it says that the family should be focused and centrally uh, t- uh, scheduled all around the kids' activities. It should be all about the kids, 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 kids. And we're here to tell you that is not true. That is a falseness. And that the, the family should be focused first on God. Husband and wife should be focused on their marriage, 
than the children. So fathers should be focused on the relationship with the Lord, then their wife, then their children. Mothers should be focused on the relationship with the Lord, then their husband, then the children. But too often in today's society, Martha, uh, this gets out of whack. Yeah, and I think people are really well-intended when they think in their mind, well, I want to give my kids the things that I didn't have in my childhood. But unfortunately, when we have um, we have no delayed gratification in our life, when we're given everything that we want, then the maturity um, is lacking because we have not had to work or to wait or to... Um, you know, exhibit different fruit of the spirit that come that make maturity in a person. So even though it's well intended, it can be very harmful to just be in that mindset that I want to give my kids everything I never had, or I had to wait until I was 24. I want them to have it when they're 10 or whatever that mindset might be. So those are just some of the things that culture feeds us and we don't even realize. And so we want to talk about the impact of parenting on your marriage and also on your workplace, because if you got things messed up at home with your children, if you're having a conflict, it pours back into the workplace, and that's okay. We need to understand that what goes on at home impacts our workplace, and the good news about it is that in, in the effort for transparency between us and our non-Christ-following coworkers and employees, talking about your struggles to let them know that your kids aren't perfect, that's a huge opportunity, because guess what? Their kids aren't perfect either, and everybody who's got a child there's a day where they're going, I have no idea what to do with this child. It's illegal to kill them. But I I have contemplated this today because this <laughs> child is driving me nuts. I mean, you know, but in all jest, seriously, there are days where we just have no idea what to do. I mean, why didn't the Lord, the Lord created each one of our kids. Why didn't he send them packing with a zip tie around their leg with a handbook? <laughs> well, because that's a growing experience for us, too. And I think that one of the things that really relates back to the workplace is that the things that you learn in parenting, although not applied exactly the same, if you manage people, um, there's a lot of the same senses of humility and things like that that you learn that can be can help you do your job better. Parenting is a lot like managing. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the love that you give in discipline in both cases, very, very similar. Um, Except for you, you can't send your kids away at the end of the day. Your no. coworkers and employees, they go home. That's right. But you can <laughs> give your coworkers and employees a time out. You can, oh, you but go. but you're right. You can't send them home. Your kids are yours, and they're yours for life. But you really mm-hmm. only have 15, 16 years of influence, and then you know they've really are. They need to be ready to be out on their own, making decisions, and and progressively making more and more decisions as they get towards going away to college or going away to trade school or something like that. So it is very important that we just talk about parenting today. A lot of the things we use in parenting are also the things that we can use in. Uh, managing our employees. Right. I just, um, there's so much that you learn day to day as a parent. And because you're really, truly, when they're brand new babies, you are managing everything about them. And then you slowly learn how to teach them so that they can eventually become wonderfully independent adults. And really, that's what you want to be with your employees, too. You want to manage them in such a way that they learn how to do their job on their own and do it independently and do it well. So well, let's a, just hope it doesn't take you 18 years well, to get yeah. to a point to do that. <laughs> it should be a little more accelerated than that, but the same long-term goal. Right. I agree. And our number one priority in life is our, is our relationship with our Heavenly Father. Mm-hmm. Our number two priority in life, if you're married, is your relationship with your spouse. It's your number one ministry. Your number one mission field, if you have children, 
is your children. And then your number two ministry and your number that's your, your number two ministry and mission field is your workplace, secondary to your children and your spouse and your relationship with your Heavenly Father. And it's good that we keep those things in line. And Martha and I never attack together on Tuesdays as if we're super duper experts. We don't have psychology doctorates. We don't, but we do have 16 years of marriage mentoring experience where we've worked with over 60 couples, the majority of them entrepreneurial, who are just at different levels in their marriages. And we're at any point in time, we're working with one to four different couples in our free time. It's what we really fight for marriage. We want to see marriage take back over our country and, and build up the family because the family has been weakened by the culture of the last 50 years. You know, I just thought of a really neat thing about um, talking about parenting and thinking about it in your workplace is the fact that if you are actively trying to parent the way God has called you to parent and um, implement his principles in it, and then somebody from your office is struggling with parenting or has an issue with one of their children, and they come to you, you you can authentically speak to them, but from a biblical perspective. And how cool is that? Because it's often people are look, when they're looking for advice they're, and they seek it out, they will listen if they're really struggling with something and they think you may have something to share. So it can be a really neat way to you know put a few more things in your tool belt that will help you to interact with your coworkers and be able to share Christ. Well, and here's the deal. Anybody that says that, that is a parent and they say, or actually anybody that says this at all, hey, I can help you figure out the discipline for your child. They're nuts because children are not predictable. They are, um, it's difficult to, to raise up a child in the way he should go so then in the end he won't depart from it. That's a difficult process. So anybody that says they're an expert in parenting like Dr. Spock from the 60s, yeah, let's not even go down that pathway. Yeah, don't spank your kids. He said don't discipline your kids. Well, guess what? We got a whole generation. Now we got a second generation of kids who haven't been disciplined. They don't want to go to work. They don't. They don't. They don't understand what it means to say no. And they they graduate from high school and they expect everybody to give them something. You know, we, we, our kids need to be disciplined, not not beaten. That's what we're talking about. We're talking about a kid should never be given everything. You know, let's just talk about some of the successes. And I tend to be on that. Go to the glass half empty, Martha. You got to bring me back up to the glass half full. <laughs> Okay. Parenting was is one of the greatest privileges ever. King mm-hmm. David in in the uh, Psalms talked about how he wanted to have a quiver full of children and what a blessing it was to have a quiver full of children. I mean, it is a huge blessing to have children. Mm-hmm. Huge blessing. Mm-hmm. One of the greatest privileges ever for our marriage. Now, we've, we're, we still have children, but they're all grown and they're all gone. Uh, we started young compared to today's generation, uh, but it is what a privilege it is. But it takes work, and our whole the whole goal in when you have a child is when they leave the house, that they're ready to face society with a strong faith, a strong work ethic, and a strong moral compass based on biblical principles, a biblical worldview, and they're ready to work hard to gain a good reputation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those are, those are great things to have as a goal. So, so one of the things with um, Dare to be Different, the survey— ask different questions that help the husband and the wife know how to what to talk about and where they need to come in agreement. And I think one of the biggest things that couples, you know, I don't think early on in our marriage we ever sat down and said, how are we going to discipline? What no. does discipline look like to you? And again, remember, discipline isn't just scolding. It is how are we, what are our expectations for our kids when we ask them to do something? Do we expect them to comply 
Do we expect them to argue? Are we going to allow that? You know, all those conversations. <laughs> we probably should have had those conversations. I know. That's what I'm saying. So this very first question is, um, do we agree on how to discipline our children? And what a great question, because how do you even know if you agree if you haven't really thought through the scenarios? Or if this is a couple that's been married for quite a while, they will know the answer to that. They'll be like, yeah, we never agree. You know, we, we come at it from different angles and then we end up fighting because the kids did something wrong and we didn't agree on how, what the consequence should have been or whatever. Well, so and we struggled with that. I we mean, did. B- because I just figured that every child had the same inside demeanor that I did. <laughs> so we at first we disciplined our son the way I would be disciplined. But he didn't need that kind of strongness because he was sensitive. And that was fantastic. Now, our daughter needed to be a little stronger, a, a stronger word. So that's that's the cool part is that you can learn. And, and really, being a parent, it's one of the most humbling experiences ever. And it's the greatest thing ever to deepen your walk with the Lord because you are absolutely dependent on the Lord for the answers because he created the children. So you say, Father, you gave me this child. I have no idea what to do with this child. Would you just tell me what to do? Those are on the bad days. On the good days, it's like, Lord, thank you so much for this child. Mm. What a blessing he or she is in our lives. Mm-hmm. You know, w- one of the things that Martha and I have had the opportunity in the last six years to do is help families understand the love languages of, of, our, of our children. Because every child you get is different. And, and by, and by, <laughs> uh, by, this, by uh, learning their love language, you can communicate better your love to your child, whether it's quality time, words of affirmation, physical touch, gifts. Uh, acts of service. Acts of service. <laughs> I was trying to think, which one did you forget? You know, one of the questions that's part of the Dare to Be Disciplined, uh, Dare to... Dare, dare to be different. Thank you. Dare to be different uh, marriage mentoring program. And you can find them online at daretobedifferent.com. Uh, and I would recommend, we'd recommend this program for any church Anywhere in the world where this is being uh, listened to today, the Dare to be Different Marriage Mentoring Program is designed to be handled by uh, non-pastor couples two-on-two. So it doesn't have to take the pastor's uh, time and effort. It's uh, partnering one couple who is further along in their marriage than another couple who's uh, less farther along. So a mentee couple, that a mentor couple. Okay, anyway, an older couple mentoring a younger couple in marriage years. So, but it's just super fantastic. And we're talking about, hey, we agree on how to discipline our kids. And we often find couples, they don't ever talk about it until they have kids or all of a sudden until they're having to discipline kids. and they Or don't. they're disagreeing about it. Right. So it's good to have that conversation. So we talked about that. We don't want to beat it. We don't want to. I'm not going to say what you said the other day. We don't want to beat a dead horse. Okay. I don't even know where you just that, said that. I know, but we don't. I don't even know where that came from. That's just a horrible thing. All but right, you don't want to do it. We don't want to do that. All right, <laughs> we don't want to beat a dead alligator in the ditch. Okay, there you go. we agree on the responsibilities in parenting our children. That's another one, and a lot of couples really, the some couples have really got this figured out. Well, I do, the, I do the baths every night. I do the making the lunches every morning. It, but but it's really important to talk about because raising kids, there's a lot to it. There's a ton of aspects and tasks and time-consuming things that go into the homework. parenting homework. So it's really good to talk about that and what the who's going to handle what responsibilities and what they're going to do together because there may be, um, as far as homework, certain subjects that you're better at than your spouse or vice versa. But even more than that, if you don't talk about it and you just kind of do it, you can actually build up some resentment towards each other. 
by, you know, well, he never offers to do the baths. I always have to do them. So, you know, maybe it hurts your back to do it and you, but you're, compl- you're not complaining or whatever, but um, to really have those conversations and, and to help each other out because it's not your work and my work. It's together. We're going to get this family taken care of and grow it the best way that God can help us to do that. Well, and it's important right away. I mean, if the, if your kids see you working together to raise them, it's important that they start to see how they fit into that equation. And your kids can start taking responsive responsibilities around the house as early as eight, when they start walking. They can start cleaning up after themselves. And when they start talking, they can start. I mean, it expect stuff out of your kids. I mean, your kids are fully capable of helping with chores around the house. Now, they're never going to get them right the first time. And when they pick up the garbage the first time, it may not be the best time. But you got to you got to start training them. I mean, our kids, we had our kids cleaning up. They'd sung that awful Barney song. <laughs> but it helped them to get the job done. Yeah, but now we had to pay for how many years of counseling because of Barney? <laughs> I mean, seriously, that was just terrible. But really. And one of your pet peeves along that same category is where especially husbands get this mentality that their job is to just babysit the kids. Say the wife needs to go um, to something where she's going to go by herself without the kids. And she's going, woohoo! And, and she's gone. getting a quote unquote break. But that doesn't mean that the dad is in babysitter mode. That means the dad is parenting. The dad is home being the parent at that moment. And I know that that's something that, you know, oh, it's a total it pet peeve kind of drives you crazy because you're like, so you're just the hired help. You're not the parent. Yeah, that drives you know, me so, nuts. So, and that's part of the responsibility, too, is saying, you know what, honey, why don't, you know, if you want to go get groceries alone without the kids, I'm going to stay home with the kids and we're going to, you know, Fold the laundry or whatever the case might be, because many hands do make light work. And I know that that's an old cliche, but our grandmas were pretty smart. And our grandmas said a lot of those great things. But helping around the house helps also with parenting because you're teaching the kids responsibility. The house doesn't just run itself. And the older they get, the more that as a together as a group, you can get things done then you can have that fun time together too and you're not feeling like you're always working. Now the bad part about involving your kids in the chores at home is when they leave the house, you have to start doing <laughs> your stinking chores again. Well, somebody's got to do it's it. It's just unbelievable. Now there's nobody there to wash the dishes, collect the garbage, do the dusting. I always did the vacuuming because I like doing vacuuming. But but seriously, it just there's nobody to help it's wash the dishes. harsh cars. reality. Yeah, isn't I told it, you honey? we should have more kids. We should have more kids. I think we should start adopting tomorrow. Okay. okay. All right. Okay. So, it, yes, it's not babysitting. The next guy that says to me, sorry, I can't do anything because I'm babysitting my kids Friday night. I'm going to smack you. <laughs> so it's not babysitting. All right. One of the other questions on the survey, and this survey that we talk about on Dare to be Different, found online at daretobedifferent.com, is uh, a survey that it's got 130-some questions where you express agreement or disagreement with. And one of the questions is, I feel our relationship with each other should be a priority over our relationship with our children. And honestly, out of guilt, a lot of couples struggle with this. They put the relationship with their kids ahead of the relationship with their couples. Excuse me. Yeah. With the relationship with their spouse. And honestly, a lot of men struggle with putting their relationship at work ahead of their spouses and their children. And, And that's backwards. This is a real, real struggle that it happens all the time. It is. But one of the main foundations that kids need in the home is security. And how do they get that? But to know that mom and dad have each other as a priority. And so actually not even just 
mentally having your spouse as a priority over your kids, but actually letting your kids know that, that it, it is really important that I get time with daddy sitting and talking without you guys interrupting. So now that doesn't mean that that's all that should happen. You need to interact with your children and spend time with them too. But if you've set apart some time where you need to talk about something, you let the kids know that's why you're doing it because you're showing them who that daddy really matters at this time. And that's important too. It's not all about the kids. No, and it's it's a balanced thing and it's something that really has to be worked at. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and here's a challenge. Let me just throw out a couple of challenges. Things that Martha and I, some things we struggle with, some things we think we got it right. One of the best things we ever did in our household for many years was we canceled cable so that TV was less of a distraction. And then we got Netflix. I'm not sure that was any better. It's a lot cheaper than cable, but I'm not a big sports guy. I gave up my sports addiction, which was NASCAR, so that I could focus more on my kids on Sunday afternoon instead of watching a race where people go around in circles, turn left, <laughs> turn left, turn left. I loved it. I loved it. But anyway, but but don't let the TV be a babysitter. Mm-hmm. You know, our kids today have no, uh, very few children today have an idea on how to interact properly in society. TV shouldn't be a babysitter or your cell phone or your iPad. Make them read a book. Don't let them wait for the movie. Hmm. We, you know, they need to, we need to teach our kids how to read because someday the electricity is going to shut off in this country and nobody's going to have anything to do because they don't know how to function without electricity. You know, one of the things that our kids actually do better than we do is that they're, they play board games. And it's really fun to see them with their friends because they you interact when you play a game. Jim and I are too competitive, so it becomes a divisive That's thing. That's because Martha rather than... has to win. She has to win every game. She has to do it. I'm hey, but... sorry, but but I just love that the next well, generation— we don't play board games, you and me? Um, because I think that it, it would not be good for our marriage. Martha <laughs> takes puzzles to a whole level of full contact, doing a puzzle— is a serious contact sport for Martha. All right, th- th- here's one of the other things. That, here's what we did right, and we learned this from both of our parents. Mm. We had dinner together. At a table. At a table Looking with the TV off without a rush being happened every night. And and for five years after we moved to Florida, I drove from Indian Rocks Beach to exit 55 and I-4, 89 miles each way. So we didn't get to eat dinner some of those nights till 7.30. Mm-hmm. But... We had dinner every night. Why? Dinner is the secret weapon in parenting. Dinner is the secret weapon in finding out what's going on in your kids' lives. Dinner is the secret weapon towards letting your kids know they are a priority. Your marriage is a priority. The family's a priority. Dinner is a secret weapon. I don't know if I can say that enough. Dinner, is dinner a secret weapon? It's a weapon? secret weapon. If you're Love just tuning that. in right now, you have to listen to the whole other the rest of the show. But dinner is a secret weapon. I mean, because at, at dinner, after you've fed them, because mm-hmm. often there's a lot of contention beforehand because they're starving. Certainly as they grow into teenagers, they, they want to eat, you know, before you even get started. But you sit down, you get a chance to talk. Don't let them start clearing the table. I mean, just set aside a half an hour. We're not getting up. No cell phone zone. Put all the cell phones on the stairs. If you don't have stairs, put them somewhere far away. No cell phone zone. Just talk. Find out what's going on. It's the coolest thing ever. Try it. Try it tonight. Ooh, that was really good. I think that, you know, you you probably hit a really good um, mode there in the fact that, that once they have full bellies, they can relax and um, enjoy that conversation. But even at a young age, again, you're just showing the kids that everybody around this table is important and we're going to sit here together. And it doesn't have to be 
this horrible, it needs, it can be a great experience. Even eating dinner together and interacting can be so much fun. And along those same lines, we have some friends who have a really great conversation starter around the dinner table and they talk about their highs and their lows. Well, I thought you were going to talk about who, yeah, okay. No, they talk about their highs and their lows. So they go around the table and they ask the kids, what was your high point of the day and what was your low point of the day? And it lets you know what kind of went on. Things that they may not verbalize any other way, they will at that moment. Well, you know what? My The arm broke off of my doll, and that was a really low point in the day. Oh, well, let me see what I can do to fix that, because they, may may, they may have tucked it under the bed because they were not happy about it or something. But it just starts Duck the conversation. Can fix that broken That's doll. right. But it also helps the siblings to know what's going on in each other's lives and be more... They don't realize all that's happening in those conversations, but they're getting to know each other better and have and learning how to just have good conversation, which is a great quality. Keep in mind, your kids may not get along and act like they love each other when they're younger, but when they're older, for the most part, if you've really developed, allowed relationship to develop around the kitchen table, when they're older, they'll like each other. I mean, we like our brothers and sisters. That's right. And, and it... And well, that- I'm not sure if they like me, but you know, <laughs> my poor brother. Oh. I started picking on my brother when I was like six and he was 13. I mean, it did my poor brother. It's tough. All right. But that's, that's a secret, secret weapon is dinner. Uh, the other secret weapon with children is put them on a schedule and don't screw up the schedule. Mm-hmm. I mean, if they're, if they're used to going to bed and put them on a schedule so that you can have a life, a married life. It, kids need all the sleep they can get. And if you tell them they need to go to bed at 7.30, they'll go to bed at 7.30. And so then you can get from 7.30 until 9.30 with your spouse. Or if it's 8 o'clock or 8.30, obviously it gets later as they have more and more homework. But seriously, put a parameter around. Don't ask a kid if they're ready to go to bed. Just say, it's bedtime. Because mm-hmm. the kid know, never wants to go to bed because they're going to miss something. Of course. So I don't want to go to bed. I don't want to miss anything. And a great thing to in, incorporate into that part of the bedtime routine is actually spending time together praying. Doing devotions, reading a devotional, and praying together as a family. Holding hands, praying for people. Yep. When they were old enough to pray, we started teaching. And how old was that? I don't know. If we started praying with them between a year and 18 months, I suppose. <laughs> I'm thinking back that far, and that's all kind of foggy to me. <laughs> Lack of sleep, things like that. I don't know. But um, And again, this wasn't one of those things that we said, when our children are this age, we're going to start doing this. But it just seemed right to find little Bible storybooks or devotionals, um, to, to pray with them, to have them fold their hands and thank Jesus for their day. That's as simple as we started. I do remember that. That's very clear to me. We just had our kids. We encouraged them and taught them to thank the Lord for the day that they'd had. And sometimes they had things that they would then they would go on about the good weather or getting to play with a friend or whatever it might be. And I truly believe that those kind of habits are some of the best things that you can instill in your kids because hopefully they will continue that, not just as a habit, but as a part of their life because it is a relationship. Now, as the kids got older, they got a little tougher. But I will tell you this, also, devotion time, don't do it once the kids are tired. you got to do it before they get tired because one of the things that caused an argument many nights was <laughs> one of our children was way more tired than the other. And if we did it really late, then I was tired too. So it, it's really good to just make it a scheduled thing, but do it. But it is... 
perhaps one of the most, it just was something we just did. It was great. Hey, fantastic conversation today, honey, mm-hmm. on parenting. I hope that really was a blessing to you listening today because it really was just an encouragement for us. Hey, today on parenting, what did you learn today about parenting to help you take the city for Jesus? You know, we learned today that our faith can impact our homes, that we can be intentional in what we do in our homes, and that how we parent, we can learn a lot about our faith through parenting our kids, because our kids stretch us in our faith each and every day. We learned that we shouldn't negotiate with our kids, and we learned that dinners together are the secret weapon to a strong family. But there's also the recognition that how we parent and dis- bringing discipline into our homes is something we need to bring into the office because a lot of people need to learn how discipline can enrich their life. The rules are not there to make them miserable, but to enrich their lives. And we, have, we, we hang out with people that don't understand that. When you go to work tomorrow... Start praying for your coworkers and employees. Start making an impact on them by befriending them and serving them, but all on being the best and brightest employee in your workplace. We're Christ followers who own our own business, but ultimately, I work for him. him.